All right, hi everybody. Welcome to the first and not final. That I really hope it's not final, actually, but the first, certainly the first episode of the Bad Movie Journalists. I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Christian, and my uh, co-host here. Hello, my name is Connor. All right, so yes, we are the two. We have officially deemed ourselves as bad movie journalists. Official bad movie journalists. Uh, trademark pending on that. That is not official. Not official by yet, any means, but, but please don't steal it. We don't have any better ideas. Yeah, no, this is the best we got. So if someone steals this, we're pretty much out of ideas. <laughs> we're not. We're not the most creative folk here. So this is this is all we got going yeah. for us, to be yeah. honest. So I pray to God. Yes, you'll notice based on our taste in movies that we are not the most creative folk. So please do not uh, put us in a bad spot. Yeah, don't add us. Don't don't tell us we're doing the wrong thing because hey, we're new to this. We're some fresh boys. We're just we're just a couple of pals from. You know, the United States somewhere in that geographic region, literally anywhere. Who knows? Anyways, we're here to talk about mediocre film and why it's actually pretty great. So we both had this idea and this very strong appreciation for what a lot of people call good, bad movies or movies that maybe don't have the best critical reception, but to be honest, we all enjoy on some levels, and that's what we're here to talk about today. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think, like you were saying, we come from a shared mind where um, you call it what I think is the perfect term for it. It's mediocre art. Um, it's not highbrow. It's not you know uh, really lowbrow stuff. It's perfectly in the middle, and it's suited for certain audiences and for certain reasons. Um, and it's very popular for those reasons among large groups of people, even though it's frowned upon generally by what I'll call movie going society. Um, so I think there's an opportunity to explore that and kind of show why, as like you said, mediocre art is perfect for people. Yeah, absolutely. Because, Hey, you know, we all have those days where it's a Sunday and you don't want to think too hard. So you just put on some complete nonsense. And that's the reason movies like gamer exists because I'm not going to watch movie I'm not going to watch Gamer just uh, casually after work one day. I wait. There's just absolutely no way. But turning my brain off Sunday afternoon, long weekend, perfect time to watch Gamer. Gamer is another movie I wanted to talk about on here at some point, if, if that wasn't clear. Yes, no, we'll put it on the list. Yes, and, and like you're saying, um, you know, you're also not going to sit down and watch uh, Parasite when you kind of want to just de decompress a little bit on the weekend. So there's definitely in everyone's life, kind of a space for movies like this. Um, but with that said, do, do exactly. you want to kind of start us off here and let the people know what we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, absolutely. So starting off right away, we figured we would open with pretty much right now what I would say is the most popular film franchise in this kind of genre of love to hate it, you know it's bad, but you also love it. And that is the Fast and Furious franchise. And we're not talking about any one particular because at this point, there is eight movies and a spinoff movie and a Netflix cartoon, which I can't wait to talk about that because the fact that it exists is baffling to me. So, yeah, we're talking about The Fast and Furious today. And I kind of see here. So the first thing you did in here that I thought was really good is that you put in just the critical reception every movies and how it's changed over time. So. Do you mind kind of talking about that? A yeah, bit? absolutely. I think because when when we talk about the Fast and Furious movies, just as a culture, like people are pretty receptive to them, but they're actually pretty awful movies. Um, if you look at like the 
total reviews for them. Like the average review on Rotten Tomatoes is for the entire movie is a 56.25, which is very bad. Um, but it's interesting when you break down the first four average a 38.75, including a low from movie four, Fast and Furious, which only got a 29. But the last four go up into the 73.75 um, average. And that's a very clear Fast Five. Uh, we can get into this uh, in a little while, but Fast Five, they made a purposeful shift to get away from like the street drag racing sort of uh, genre they were in and move towards it being a heist movie with cars. Um, so once they kind of embraced what they wanted the movie to become, it started getting better reviews. But interestingly, none of the movies besides the first one from CinemaScore, which is a audience aggregator, got less than an A minus. So they're always been very well received by people, but not very well received by critics at large during their first launch. And then they kind of shifted gears and got a little more um, accepted by critics. But yeah, I think it's interesting that because you would think when you look at these numbers, oh, it's going to be such a high score because people love these movies, but it's really not. They're really um, kind of panned, at least in the very beginning, by critics uh, as a large. Yeah, for sure. And like, you know, so that's something I always find so funny about these movies is that anytime I talk about them or bring them up in public, you know, I think a lot of people's first instinct is that I'm doing a bit by saying I genuinely love these movies. And I'm not. I have really strong appreciation for these movies. And the reason being, and this sounds ridiculous to say, but I don't think a lot of people who say these movies are garbage understand these movies and what they're trying to do. Because as as you and I have previously talked about, and I, I feel like this franchise is strangely a big reason why we're doing this in the first place, but they're not trying to make highbrow art. This is not... This isn't trying to be Citizen Kane. This isn't trying to compete with Parasite. This isn't going for the Oscar. It is just dumb action for the sake of act for the sake of dumb action. And it knows that and it fully embraces that. And like it shows in the numbers too. Like if you think about one through four, where they're just straight up racing movies, they're good. Like, you know, they're entertaining for sure. But then you get to fast five and you bring in the rock and they've got to steal like a Dank vault, I think, is the plot. And you realize, hold on, all right, there's there's something here. And then it just escalates further and further and further. And I, I really I have really strong appreciation for just any any type of media that just really embraces the ridiculousness and is just completely unabashed about it. Just just the idea of, hey, this is what we're gonna make. You know what? We are gonna make the exact thing we're gonna make. And that's it. And I really like yeah that. no i mean it's definitely you can and i just want to go into something because i wrote a couple things down i need to make perfectly everyone understands the fast and furious movies are objectively awful movies like they're ridiculous they make absolutely no sense and i wrote down a couple of my favorite things um about these movies that when you start thinking about it they make absolutely no sense. So Ludacris is in these movies. Ludacris is introduced in the first batch of movies as a mechanic. Then he suddenly becomes the world's best hacker with a dream of opening his own garage, which was the original reason they found Ludacris at the beginning was because he was a mechanic whose garage they needed. Uh, the first movie is about stealing 
DVD players, I believe. And in the seventh movie, they dropped manned cars out of planes with parachutes attached to them. Jason Statham is introduced in this yeah. in this series as a villain. Two movies later, uh, he's invited to a barbecue and then gets a spinoff with a rock where he's a pre- uh, protagonist. And at one point in one of the movies, they jumped cars through multiple buildings in Dubai, defying all of the rules of gravity. So the, when you look at it from any sort of common sense, I just want to make perfectly clear that while I love these movies, they are trash. They are objectively terrible movies in terms of plot and everything like that. Uh, but that's not why we like them. We like them, and personally, I like them because it's what I call turn your brain off media, uh, which is something everyone needs. It's the perfect type of media where you can sit down and watch it and you don't have to think about it. You can just be in awe of kind of what you're watching. And like you were saying, they they made a very conscious choice when they brought in The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, into the fifth movie to embrace that. And they just kind of one-up themselves every movie with how ridiculous they can get. And you find yourself leaving going, that was a lot of fun, but you don't actually get through any of the plot you don't learn anything it's not something you take in to leave and have a intellectual conversation about it's not at all i mean if you think about it too hard you actively lose some intelligence because it's just not it's not smart but that's okay because it's not trying to be no one's watching fast and furious and going wow man you know i i feel just so intelligent because i understood the plot of this movie no it's not primer you know it's this is a really simple movie about just a guy in his car jumping through buildings and fighting CIA agents and stuff. And that's, there's something to like about that. And I feel like a lot of this comes down to because Vin Diesel is not a great actor, but Vin Diesel has a very particular appeal that I think just sells these movies so well versus, I don't know, throwing out another actor, maybe than like Mark Wahlberg would do in a role like this where, you know, Vin Diesel, he knows he's not a great actor, but he's trying his best and you got to respect that. You know, he, he's one of those guys that I always find interesting. I don't think a lot of people know this, but Vin Diesel grew up a nerd. He grew up playing Dungeons and Dragons with his friends. He, gave, he grew up reading comic books. He's in a lot of ways, me right now. Um, and just so happened that one day he woke up in this, really ripped muscly meathead body and thought to himself, well, I mean, I guess when you look like this, what do you do? Um, You know, I I was comparing him to CM Punk um, from wrestling from very similar kind of background. Like, what do you do when you're a a nerd growing up and you wake up and suddenly you're all ripped and have this really, really deep voice? Like, uh, I guess, you know, (laughs) better make movies. So that's where Vin Diesel came in and he just totally owns it. And, (laughs) His character of Dom of Dom Toretto has just become like such a meme at this point, but just in the best way. You know, people joke about him being passionate about family and everything, and yeah, it is hilarious. But you know, Vin Diesel seems that a type of guy that really believes what he's making. He he really is there. Like you know, this is serious. Like I am doing this. Yeah, I and think I love that. while we're talking about Vin Diesel, I think what I love about him in these movies too is he obviously lives. For this role, he lives to play Dom Toretto. There's nothing else he wants to do in his entire life than play this character. It's what he's wanted his whole life. It's what he wanted to be as an adult when he was a kid, like you were saying, reading comic books and watching movies and all this stuff. 
he imagined himself being Dom Toretto, this just hilariously OP, macho, masculine hero who can literally do anything, can't lose a fight. There's a scene in the Jason Statham film where they drive their cars at each other and crash into one another. Somehow, neither of them is injured at all from what would be a deadly collision. I made the joke when I saw the movie, they crashed, and I went, well, roll credits, everyone's dead. But he gets out of the car, and he looks at Jason Statham, and he says, oh, you reinforced your chassis. Like, almost like he was calling Jason Statham like a pansy for supporting his car so when he drove into another car or something, he wouldn't die. So that's where Vin Diesel is at in these movies, where he's just hilariously, hilariously overly powerful. But you have to appreciate how much he commits to that role because he would love nothing else. He appreciates nothing else more than doing this character for his living. Yeah, he does. And you see this in another movie he does, too. And this gets outside the scope of Fast and Furious, but... Vin Diesel will do something like Triple X, for example, where he's jumping out of planes and he has lines in the movie where he says stuff like, I live for this shit. And you know what? Vin Diesel really does. That's not that's not Triple X talking. That is Vin Diesel talking about jumping out of a plane right now that he's saying he lives for this shit. Another one of his movies, uh, Riddick, I think it's the one that's just called Riddick. There's a scene where he drives a motorcycle over a pit of monsters and he like flips his bike in a way as if he's doing a motorcycle trip trick. And he says, Oh, it's ride or die. <laughs> and I just, I just love someone delivering this just totally seriously. Just, I'm not being ironic. I genuinely am thinking <laughs> ride or die right now. And that is so funny to me. <laughs> like, who is this man? He's such an enigma. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Vin Diesel's social media, but it's <laughs> baffling. <laughs> oh, God. I have actually it's, never looked I, at I, Vin Diesel's social media. Yeah, I highly, highly recommend you checking out all of his social media pages. And this goes for anyone who does listen to this. Vin Diesel is the king of Facebook and Instagram and probably whatever platform he touches, to be honest, because he he just posts a bunch of fan art done by his fans. But just very, very homemade fan art. You know, this isn't studio level professional artist work. This is, you know, if I sent Vin Diesel a fan piece, this is the stuff he's sharing on his official Instagram account. And it is just so weird. You'll see a photo, like a very simply Photoshopped photo of Vin Diesel in front of Angel Wings with clearly Photoshopped smoke over it. And then like a quote from one of the movies It'll say, like, family never dies or something. And he'll share it on his own Instagram. And he'll put a caption that says something like, powerful stuff here, hashtag Toretto Tuesday. (laughs) I'm going through now, and I found a couple posts uh, very recently that had happy creative Sunday and a lot of talk about, like, being creative and this and that. And I really appreciate and love thinking about Vin Diesel going into meetings for Triple X and the Fast and Furious movies and all this stuff and thinking that everything that he's doing is just the highest level of creativity humanly possible. Yeah, for real. He again, yeah, he's walking in his meetings totally seriously. Like recently he came out with a movie 
uh, Bloodshot, and I really want to watch it for this exact reason. I haven't, I've heard very middling things about this movie. I, I haven't seen it, so I can't necessarily judge, but it sounds exactly like this, that this man, not, not only does Vin Diesel want to get his own superhero franchise comic book movie started, which is insane because he is Groot, who is already one of the most beloved characters, so he's already in a comic book movie, and he's already in Fast and Furious, which he's the main character of a franchise that's basically a superhero film to begin with. So I'm not sure why he wants this so badly, but man, was really passionate no, and I, about I, this project. I love the fact that he saw himself in the Fast and Furious movies and saw himself as Groot in the MCU and was like, I need to make my own version of this. It's not good enough that I'm in these ones because now, you know, the Fast and Furious movies have The Rock as a and Jason Statham spinoff thing, and they're probably going to do a couple others as well. Um, and he's just Groot in the MCU, so he's not a huge part of it. He looked at that and was like, I need my own cinematic universe that revolves around my character. I need to be Iron Man to a Marvel cinematic, a, another cinematic universe. And I mean, that's just wild. This man's brain works in ways I cannot even begin to fathom. He's on another playing field. We are, we are, we're thinking in 2D. He, he is, the, is thinking in 3D. He is the, the definition man is of next galaxy brain uh, memes. That's exactly what he is. He is the last <laughs> yeah. evolution where the guy is sitting in the space and he's sitting uh, crisscross applesauce. That's exactly what he is to the way we think about things. Um, but Moving slightly off Vid and to the people he shares the screen with, one thing you pointed out when we were talking about doing these films was the cast in this film, in this franchise, is ridiculous. Like, some of the people you pointed out is Helen Mirren, Jason Statham, obviously The Rock, Ryan Reynolds, Kurt Russell, Charlize Theron, John Cena, uh, Kevin Hart's in the spinoff, Gal Gadot's in this, these movies. They get A-listers into these movies and none of them are part of the original cast. They all sign on later. But what I think is fun about these people is that you they put them in there and you can immediately see how much fun these people are having in these movies. Like a, a thing that I compared it to was like if you watch Batman versus Superman or anything with the Justice League, right? Like they have Ben Affleck. They've got Gal Gadot as well. Um, they've got... Uh, Henry Cavill. They've got all these like A-list stars coming in and those people clearly hate their lives working on. They are not artistically challenged like they thought they'd be. They are not having fun doing these movies and it kind of falls flat. And then you see people come in here and it's just like John Cena comes in for the movie that's now coming out next year, but he's getting to play Dom's brother Somehow, even though they don't look anything alike and are different ethnicities and all this stuff, but he's getting to play Dom's brother and he's just going to come in and get to be a badass. And, you know, John Cena was having the time of his life filming these movies um, last year. And I think that's that's a really uh, indicative thing of how people look and treat these movies is you just get to come in and there's so much fun just to be around and be involved with. I really do love that. Like for me, the biggest one, the two biggest that they've got are Kurt Russell and Helen Mirren. And these are both like pretty new additions. And Kurt Russell's a lot more prominently in the movie. But to see him on screen acting alongside Vin Diesel, just delivering this completely ridiculous dialogue is 
like I, I just love it. Like you have the man who is in the thing, Big Trouble in Little China, just all these like really good, solid films. It, he's he's also in the Marvel movies, just completely the delivering schlock a hundred percent seriously because you know what? It's fun. Same thing with Helen Mirren. He she plays Jason Statham and Luke Evans, who's just forgot about in Hobbs and Shaw, and we'll get there. Uh their mom. Just how, how do you get Helen Mirren. I think of Helen Mirren and I think of going for the Oscar. I I think of highbrow cinema. And she's in one of these movies. And you can tell, like you said, she's having a great time. You know, she wants to be there because it's fun. Who doesn't want to be in these movies? And yeah, like you said, like you watch something like Batman versus Superman. And as as I put in here in the show notes also, Fast and Furious has a ride. It's It's, a very strange ride. It's a I think think that the Fast and Furious ride at Universal is about as perfect of a a ride as it could be coming from Fast and Furious because it is objectively awful. It is like the worst ride in Universal, and that's including the things in uh, Cat in the Hat Land or whatever it's called. That's literally an awful ride you sit on a bus for anyone who hasn't gone on you sit on a bus and things just kind of happen on the screens around you you don't really move that much like on the bus like you do on a what is the the you might have to edit this out what king kong yeah on skull island you move a lot on skull island you don't move a lot on this bus um in the fast and furious ride but the walkthrough is the best part of the ride. Like the queuing line is awesome. You get to go through all these like garages and it's really cool and stuff like that. So you leave and you're like, yeah, that was fun. Like it's, you don't, you don't have the best time on the ride, but it was fun to go on for a lot of different reasons than what you originally thought. And I feel like that's what you get out of the fast and furious movies. You watch the first one and you're like, Oh, cool. It's about drag racing and some thieves. And then you watch all of them through and you're like, well, I love these movies for a totally different reason than I thought. Um, but one thing I w- didn't know if you knew this about Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren asked to be in Fast and Furious. They didn't go get her. She literally went to Vin Diesel and begged to be in one of the movies and they cast her. And her exact quote on Vin Diesel is, he's a real movie star. He's got something magical on the screen in these movies. So just to give you an idea of what, you know, you think of Helen Mirren, like you said, with highbrow cinema and award-winning movies, and she's looking at the Fast and Furious movies going, these are so great, I actively need to be a part of this. Now that is incredible. I genuinely love that. I, I love the imagery of Helen Mirren going to Vin Diesel and just begging to be in these films. Like, that is so opposite of what i think what would be the reality but no that's that is what happened and that i i love that i love that so much it just yeah i mean it seems like people have a pro, like appreciation for these movies and as you put as far as box office numbers like these movies have delivered they're a pretty safe return in terms of if people when they make these movies they're going to make money like you put here it's it's the 10th highest grossing film series of all time it's made almost six billion dollars not bad for a franchise that's largely memed like yeah you think of star wars or marvel and of course they've made a lot of money they're star wars and they're marvel but i don't think people think about it that these movies not only do they have appeal in the u.s but they also have worldwide appeal they go to a bunch of different locations they have a pretty diverse cast you know they're shooting all over the world and they have a really international audience you know i i don't have like the international box office numbers in front of me but I do know they do well in other countries because people want to see 
these characters that they're not really in depth. They're not really fleshed out super well, but it's easy. It's digestible content. It's really, really high budget, really, really exciting daytime drama is what this is. You know, I, I feel like uh, Fast and Furious almost has more in common with One Tree Hill than it does, a, you know, like serious action movie like Die Hard, for example. You know, it's 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 just fun. It, yeah. it's no, I think, it, I think it. what's very telling about these movies being successful is like you said, it's the 10th highest grossing film series of all time. It's actually Universal's biggest and most commercially successful franchise. So think of all the movies and uh, IP that Universal owns that Fast and Furious is the biggest one of them. But if you think about the things you mentioned in front of it, right, it's Marvel, it's Star Wars, it's Indiana Jones. A lot of these things changed the way that uh, cinema was done and movies were done. Like think about Star Wars and the impact that that had. Think about the impact that Marvel's had over the last 15 to 20 years. Think about the impact that Indiana Jones had as it was ramping up. Fast and Furious isn't those movies. The Fast and Furious is just pro wrestling on the screen with cars. Like they're just trying to one up each themselves every time they do a movie. They're not trying to change the way you view cinema. They're not trying to launch this or they weren't at least trying to launch this sprawling universe with all these interconnected plot lines and stories that leads to this one giant battle they're not trying to take you to different parts of space and time they're having you come in and watch people do fun stuff in cars and do these weird action stunts and you get to watch jason statham uh punch the rock a lot it's not it's not anything that is super in depth it's not anything that's over the top it's or it's wildly over the top but it's not reaching to be anything that's this long-lasting legacy play it's just wildly entertaining movies where they're going all right the last time we had cars jump out of buildings in dubai what can we do this time that's even better oh, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to have a bunch of cars hook themselves together with rope, and somehow that's going to bring down a helicopter. Yeah, no, and I, I think something you said there that, like, I think really resonates is how, you know, these other films have, like, these really established universes where they have all these characters and they're trying to add together, like, the MCU, obviously. Like, the MCU pretty much changed how we did movies forever, and now everything needs to be an expanding universe. But if you really think about it, Fast and Furious has been doing that same thing longer um, and completely unintentional because, you know, when the movie starts out, you have Vin Diesel and Paul Walker. Um, and then you get to the second movie and Vin Diesel's gone, but he's like hinted at at the end of the movie in like a short film. And then in the third movie, both main characters are gone. But now we have this new guy, Han, who's really interesting. And Vin Diesel's also hinted about. And then you get to the fourth movie and it brings Vin Diesel and Paul Walker back, and the audience goes crazy. And then suddenly what you start to notice is that every film they bring more characters back, like uh, I'm, I'm sure you've seen the trailers for Fast 9, where Han's back somehow, and it doesn't make any sense. They've changed how Han's died so many times, but <laughs> when Han shows up on screen in the trailer for Fast 9, I lost my mind as if that was iron <laughs> oh, man coming back no 100 percent. when han came back i didn't <laughs> like, and this is again what we've hinted at a couple times but why these movies are great han came back and i'm a pretty like 
thinking guy. Like a lot of stuff happens in movies and I don't sit there and go, oh, cool. And then later think about the repercussions. Like I said, I saw those two cars crash into each other uh, with Jason Statham and Vin Diesel and immediately went, both those people would die. And Han came onto the screen in the trailer and I just lost my mind. Didn't consider for probably five to 10 minutes that Han was executed in the one of the early movies and now he's just back with zero showings of anything i don't care if they make it a han clone at this point like i don't care what they do to justify this i'm just so excited to see that character back which is wild because that man was a thief and a murderer like he's not a good guy this whole hashtag justice for han movement on social media (laughs) is ridiculous the man was a terrible person but we love that character so much. It's wild the things that they can do in this franchise. And I don't feel like a lot of it is intentional. I feel like it's just accidental. They stumble into this stuff and they go, we're just going to run with it and see what happens. Which I do want to spend a couple minutes um, talking about Hobbs and Shaw. Because in my opinion, this is the best thing to happen to the Fast and Furious franchise. It's the best movie in the Fast and Furious franchise, in my opinion. Um, And it's because they just looked at the Fast and Furious franchise and went, what are we as a whole? We are a comically over-the-top action movie. And then they just went and ran with that for this, this whole movie. There's not a single break in this movie where I think that it's trying to do anything other than entertain me with really high spots. Like the end of this movie is basically a fight you would put together at WrestleMania in the WWE 2K video games. It's Jason Statham (laughs) and The Rock and a handicap match against robot Idris Elba. It's the most wild thing, but it's so entertaining. It's so entertaining that Roman Reigns, who's a current WWE superstar, is just in the movie. He doesn't say anything. He just helps his cousin beat people with Samoan weapons. And I don't, I don't need him to say anything. It's great. It's, it's just so excellent. And every second of that movie was so, so entertaining. I feel like the uh, Hobbs and Shaw film is a great way to emphasize just what has happened to this franchise over time and how it's evolved. Like you said, the first movie is about stealing DVD players and Hobbs and Shaw. The plot is that, Idris Elba is a cybernetic super soldier and he has like physically modified himself to the point of where he is basically Iron Man or like he calls himself in the movie Black Superman. Every time I think about that line, I I laugh so hard in the theater. Like I, I don't know if it was okay for me to laugh so hard at that, but Idris Elba say that and his delivery of him saying Black Superman, I thought was just so funny. Um, like th- that's where we've gone to. You know, you start out just you know, uh, Brian in the first movie is a cop and Vin Diesel just owns a body shop and they're doing underground crime. And now you have The Rock trying to literally fight superhuman Idris Elba uh, falling off a cliff in Samoa, surviving a drop of a waterfall that's modestly 150 feet in a helicopter, landing in an exploding uh, blaze of fire and then just slugging it out as the rock and jason statham try to take down yeah. this <laughs> literal monster it, it's crazy point. and like, the what, thing what you is just mentioned is one of like the last action sequences essentially for people who haven't seen it and if you haven't seen it pause what you're doing right now stop this podcast 
in the go watch it right now and then come back yeah, with a new go watch it right now and come back cinema but essentially the end of the movie uh involves the three main characters the rock jason statham and idris elba falling down a waterfall in a helicopter and then all of them just get back up and start fist fighting each other like there's no pause there's no injuries anything like that and to me that's not even the most ridiculous action sequence in that movie because at one point in the movie the rock is facetiming his daughter hangs up and then immediately jumps out of a skyscraper window and free falls onto someone else who is you know making his way down on a rope it's <laughs> the most wild thing i've ever seen but it's so they just they had to have looked at this movie and gotten The Rock and Jason Statham in this uh, writer's room and been like, can we just make a movie of the most ridiculous things you can even imagine? Because at one point they say uh, Idris Elba kills a guy by shoving a brick through his chest. Like that's the exact way they say he killed a guy in this movie. It's just, <laughs> it makes no sense, but it's so much fun. I think my favorite, uh, this is actually not from... Hobbs and Shaw, so it's a very slight sidestep, but my favorite line of The Rock in any of these films are, I think it's I think it's the seventh one where they're dealing with Jason Statham, where The Rock has suffered like a big injury, and he's in the hospital, and then he finds out that Jason Statham is back in the city where he is. I, I don't know where these movies take place in America. Maybe New York, maybe LA. Either way, he looks at the the cast on his arm, and he says, daddy's got to go to work and flexes the cast off and just god like the theater erupts in laughter just thinking about the rock <laughs> saying daddy's got to go to work and this is like a big budget movie this movie has a good reception it has a 70 percent <laughs> like, like, like like what is just who wrote this it's it's stuff like that that i just find completely baffling uh just just I can't actually tell now that I'm thinking of, about of it if it's better like if that. a rock came up with that on the spot or if a writer sat down and wrote, Daddy's got to go to work, flex out of cast uh, into the script. I can't tell which is actually better. Um, but that's, <laughs> yeah. that's in the same movie, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think <laughs> that's the same movie where Ronda Rousey guest stars and says like one word and then just squares up with michelle rodriguez like that's what i'm talking about i think the rock at one point in that movie too like grabs a gatling gun and just starts shooting it like off a tank like it, like they do these things in these movies and <laughs> yeah. like it's it's wild it doesn't make any sense but it's wild it, it never hides this it never hides this fact i feel like the, the key for anyone out there who if you're not sold on the fast and furious yet uh i feel like the key to understanding the appreciation for this movies is just just understand that everyone, unfortunately, except Vin Diesel, <laughs> is in on the joke. Like, no one made this movie thinking this was going to be good. And I feel like if you watch it with that gaze, you'll get what it is that we like about these movies. Um, kind of moving right along. Another thing I want to talk about is just the naming conventions of these films and how it's evolved over time. But it's created its own style that I don't know if I've seen other movies replicate, but... It's extremely popular. So just, just to kind of run through it real quick. First movie is The Fast and The Furious. Second one, Too Fast, Too Furious. That one's always it's the best. A, I, I, I see everything. It's important to, to note to for this, that to that title too, that it's stylized the number two fast space, the number two furious. 
it's technically if you were to look at it you'd you would actually think it's the 22nd installment which it might be by the time we stop naming these movies exactly that's it's, it's the 22nd one's going to be 22 fast 22 furious and then we get the fast and the furious tokyo drift which is just uh it's the first kind of uh sidestep into another movie um and then we go fast and furious so we just renamed it but we dropped the these this is fast and furious now and then we get fun you know we, we get back to fun naming conventions fast five and then fast and furious six this <laughs> is just you know and then furious seven fate of the furious stylized f8 and now nine is just f9 colon the fast saga so there the, the naming doesn't actually even follow any specific strategy there's it's not like everyone's a pun because you have fast five followed by fast and furious six followed by furious seven so it's like every other movie they decided to put effort into the name and just some of them they just kind of just shit the bed on just yeah this is fine you know it's fast and furious six and the other ones they were like you know no we got a really really good we got a good name pun not to mention fate of the furious doesn't really apply to anything in the movie i don't really know what the fate of, i've seen the movie and i still don't know what the fate of the furious is i guess the fate of the furious is that now dom has a son and also he's friends with jason statham which doesn't make any sense because jason statham killed Han, or I guess he did it. Yeah, now. who knows? I think so, the fate of the Furious probably what? would have been better <laughs> as the seventh movie, um, because that's the one where um it's Paul Walker's last movie, and they kind of split him off with that really uh emotional car scene at the end, which I will admit I openly sobbed in the theater when that happened. Um but also like you were saying, like none of these make it like oh, the Furious same. Seven <laughs> sounds like a um a movie that would be about like gunslingers in the West. Like that's what I think of when I see furious seven is sort of like, like a hateful eight sort of uh, era film. And then we've got F nine, the fast saga. And you've noted like, what's next? What could be the next name? Like the series is slated to end after the 10th film. We know it's not going to, we know they're going to keep making these movies until there are no more movie theaters to go to until you can no longer watch movies, until a solar flare wipes out all of technology, they will be (laughs) making Fast and Furious movies. It's become a staple of entertainment similar to The Bachelor on TV. Um, Do you think they start following iPhone naming things where they'll just kind of put different letters and stuff at the end? Like, we're going to get, like, Fast X, and then we'll get Fast (laughs) XG or Fast XSE, and then fast 11 and then from there they'll kind of just keep progressing i hope i, I hope so <laughs> i'm really hoping first that fast, fast and furious, furious pro max fast and like furious that, snow that is, leopard that coming in 2025 <laughs> i would be so happy yeah sign me up i will i am making I will a kickstarter as we where's speak? the patreon <laughs> i will donate at this exact moment more things that, that i think about are interesting and this isn't serious so uh please don't anyone interpret this as i genuinely mean this but you know the fast and furious has taken on a rashomon style plot with the character of han which if no one's familiar with rashomon it's a japanese film it was actually replicated in the last jedi as well where you see the same memory from multiple perspectives and they're kind of doing that with han where the first time we see han's death he dies in an explosion 
And the second time, Jason Statham kills him. And now the third time, it turns out he 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 lived. So I feel like we're going to see something where it turns out that Jason Statham actually saved him and that he didn't kill him, that he blew up the car, but pulled Han out of there at the last minute because, you know, Jason Statham knew five years before he met Dom that he was eventually going to work with Dom and needed to save him or, or something. I'm sure, I think I'm, that, I'm sure uh, it's going to that the Fast and Furious is like just this. embracing like the Mandela Berenstein bear effect where they're just going to have alternate realities and you're going to get to decide which one you choose. <laughs> yes. It's sort of like a fusion of Black Mirror essentially where you're just or Bandersnatch, I think it was, where on Netflix you're just going to get to choose your own adventure. You're going to get to choose what plot line you get to follow as you go through here. Um, maybe Jason Statham is secretly still a bad guy, and in film 17 they're going to figure out he's a double agent and fight him again because they'll run out of actors to be antagonists in this movies. Who knows? You just there's so many endless plot lines going off that nothing would surprise me at this point. People have joked about we need we need Fast and Furious. We needed to be in space, but no, really. Like, why don't we have a? I, I've heard people say this, so this is not an original idea. But having Fast and Furious crossover with Jurassic Park, you know, have Dominic Toretto just beaming it down Isla Nublar, being chased by a you, Spinosaurus. You know, I you know we will just, never see I, that I movie though because Vin Diesel is to too serious this. of an actor <laughs> to know? work with Chris Pratt. There's no way those two could coexist on a on a set together. Immediate egos bat- clashing, for sure. Oh, wait, I don't no, think hold, they ever see each other. They're both, Vin, in, they're both the, in Guardians of the Galaxy. The stories of Vin Diesel, though, as like oh, yeah, I, I, filming, I where read. he's asking the directors to tell him what they're actually saying so he can put certain amounts of inflection on the way he says, I am Groot that's going to get uh, special affected to death is one of my favorite things about Vin Diesel, actually. He's really, he's going for it, you know? I mean, it's strange that he's like such a good voice actor because he's also famously in The Iron Giant, which is a genuinely beloved movie. And he doesn't really say much in the film, but like, that's cool to think about. They're like, that's where he started. And now he's also Groot. And that's a cool thing to do because it shows that, you know, while this guy might not be the best or most talented actor, the fact that he's like taking time to figure out, okay, what's Groot saying? How should I be approaching this? I think it really comes through because Groot is an easy character and I feel like I've seen it done in other media where it's just like kind of forgettable where you just have the, you know, he's, Groot isn't very different than like a minion, for example. It's just, it's a mindless character that doesn't really speak English, but you understand what it's doing. But what Groot nails is that he's interesting. And you, you, I feel like, even though he only says I am Groot, you always totally know what he's no, saying. He, he, he's actually excellent in it. And the, the problem as the character. Well, not the problem, but the great thing about it is to like if you cast someone who's not that committed, it's like when uh like I don't know if you know this, but Ben Schwartz and um who is the uh, Ben Schwartz and another actor uh voiced BB eight. Oh, it's it's a uh, Bill Hader. Bill Hader voiced BB-8 with Ben Schwartz, and Bill Hader did an interview where he was like, "Yeah, I would just go in and make a bunch yeah. of beeps and boops and stuff like that." Uh, and BB-8's adorable. Don't get me wrong; he's obviously uh, more of a marketing ploy than anything else at this point in those movies. Um, but it doesn't resonate the same way. Like Groot kind of actually resonates with the audience. BB-8's just cute. Uh, Groot actually has like plot lines and all this stuff that you actually have to follow. And if you had gone in with Bill Hader's I'm just going to make some beeps and boops mentality. 
um, you don't get that same sort of performance. Um, so people joke about it, but it's actually like part of the reason that character is endearing. Only other thing that I do want to mention is the fact that I that there is a Netflix cartoon based on the Fast and Furious, and I have not seen this cartoon. I've seen like very small snippets of it here and there but uh, everyone should know this exists because this is a great party conversation the fact that there is a fast and furious uh, tv show and it does deal about with dominic toretto's uh teenage nephew who has gotten into street racing and he's been picked up by i think the cia to solve different sorts of underground crimes like his uncle dom and yeah, it exists. I don't know why it does, but just every now and then I think about it. There is a twenty late 2019, it's not like this was made several years ago, a very recent cartoon about the Fast and Furious. <laughs> Completely seriously, this is not an adult cartoon. This is something aimed at kids that exists. And I just I like the fact the, that they weren't just satisfied the, with just mind just dominating the cinema. They were like, we need a cartoon and we need to get into streaming as well. <laughs> our main franchise we need a spin-off franchise we need a ride we need a gift shop outside the outside the ride that sells uh you know family shirts uh you know they we're, we're all part of dom's garage we need a uh tv show on netflix i i would be very surprised if we don't see some sort of live action show in the next few years i'm sure there'll be it's, another it's, it's, it's going to spin off is, like i said until there is no basically. more technology for it to spin off into so i hope you guys are ready for fast and furious breakfast cereal i hope you guys are ready for uh the quibi show that's inevitably going to come out uh for the fast and furious it's it's just going to continue to multiply until the end of time i would buy a fast there it is i'm I'm right going to get an email open right now to General Mills. They need to know about this marketing <laughs> opportunity they are losing. <laughs> yeah, they, they need to make Toretto's. If, if not, if this podcast takes off, um, I promise you that we will be making Everyone a who's listening, leave your suggestions in the comments we, below be real. about what exactly Toretto's should look like. Are they O's? Do they say family? Do they have different trinkets? Let us know what you <laughs> think they should look like. Um, <laughs> we'll have a follow-up pod just about Toretto. I'm, I'm, I'm too passionate about uh, this idea. <laughs> but I think the, the final question we need to ask, and, and this is a very important yeah, question. About if the Fast crew were to take on the Avengers, who do you think wins? I firmly believe the Fast crew I, family, I think crew, it will, will be a be lot closer than people think. Uh, it is. What do you think? Um, for a couple of reasons, let's not rem- let's not forget that the Avengers have an actual yes. god on their side in Thor. Um, they have a serumed up man in Steve Rogers. They've got uh, well, I guess in this case they wouldn't have Iron Man. Rest in the most peace um, to Tony Stark. But they have Black Panther. So I think we'd have to like sit here and will down who they'd be fighting with. Um, but I do think that Dom Toretto might be more indestructible than Thanos. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that they could keep him, you know, like that's the whole part of Endgame oh, at the end sure. when they're fighting is that they can beat Thanos up, but they can't keep him down until Tony does the snap. But I'm not sure if you can't keep Thanos down that you can have any hope against Dom Toretto. Dominic Toretto could be 
Thanos with one hand behind his back. He would just he would just try harder. You know, Dominic Toretto kind of has the same appeal as uh, Goku, <laughs> where how does he win? Well, he just gets stronger. How does he get stronger? Well, he just focuses more, and now he can take it on because Vin Diesel's a pretty big guy. He takes on The Rock. The Rock is much larger than Vin Diesel, <laughs> and he goes head-to-head with this man on screen, and The Rock is already way stronger than, than a normal person in these films to begin with. So, yeah, no, I genuinely think. I've, you know, as I put in the notes here, and this, you know, this is a not a very serious argument point, but I've I've seen Avengers lost. The Avengers lost in Affinity War. I've never the, seen the Fast Crew lose. Every time they've come out on top, they the just belief in family winning. is what so, fuels Dom Toretto. He will not rest if there is someone who can harm a member of his family. Ultimately, that's what these movies are about. You know, they ultimately these are a movie about you know watching your own making sure you keeping care of your family, your friends, that, you know, if you do something well, that you're family now. This is this is a movie that has heart and values. You know, forget all the scantily clad women, all of the murder, all of the high-octane action. This is a family film at the end of the day. So sit down, have a no, Papa I think John's that's a perfect pizza, way to wrap it up. And um, enjoy the Fast We will movies. hopefully be back with another podcast. Um, Kristen, you can confirm this if you are able to, but I do believe the next time we're going the opposite direction. Uh, We picked the Fast and Furious franchise, which is generally uh, well-received and beloved by audiences. I believe the next one we are going to try to do um, is the later Star Wars movies. Um, And I think we're going to get a lot of people mad at us.